welcome to another episode of Visitings, where we talk to artists who are engaged with the public outside the traditional exhibition space. My name is Alan Nakagawa, and I'll be your host. On October 3rd, 2017, Visitings Radio Show held its first public event. Visitings, a virtual studio visit and marathon conversation, was presented as part of the Beach Culture at the Annenberg Community Beach House, a program of the City of Santa Monica. We are grateful to Naomi Okuyama, Cultural Affairs Supervisor, who facilitated our event. One of our guest artists that evening was Dan McClary, who is also the founder of Art Division in Los Angeles's MacArthur Park neighborhood. Art Division's website is uh, artdivision.org, and Dan McClary's work can be seen at danmcclarystudio.com. Okay, my name is Dan McCleary. I'm an artist, and I'm also the director of an organization called Art Division. And what is Art Division, Dan? Art Division is a collective of teachers, students, and professional artists who work with underserved young adults in the MacArthur Park area of LA. And we teach art, painting, drawing, printmaking, photography, art history, public speaking, and uh, simple cooking. And it's a lot of life skills as well as you know, painting and drawing. And then it's also, um, the heart and soul of it is an art library with about 10,000 art books that we've been collecting for about 10 years. And that's, it's all by MacArthur Park on 6th Street. Um, are, are you still asking for donations for that library? We don't even exactly ask. They seem to come our way. Oh. <laughs> and it's ever-expanding and ever-growing. And it's um, very fluid, meaning we're constantly culling out books we don't need. And then we're also, right now we have shelves that go probably up 8 feet, and we're about to go up 12 feet. So we're going to add more shelves. <laughs> no. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and we're just, it's a very sophisticated library, and it's based on a library in Oaxaca, Mexico, um, created by Francisco Toledo, where I go to Oaxaca a lot to work, and that was the inspiration not only for Art Division, but also for the library, was an organization there called Iago. I think there's this myth in our culture that when you're 18, you're ready to just go off into the world. And that's one thing that there's no, I couldn't see any real art services for young adults, 18 or older. And yeah, I mean, the, um, I don't want to overstate it by saying it's insane, but it seems to put it mildly misguided that there's very little art, uh, arts in the public school system now and that just keeps getting slashed more and more and it seems like such a um a tragic dumb thing to do because there's so many wonderful um young adults who don't have access to art classes and also art training who are actually really really gifted artists most are i mean as, as you know this is a the radio but in the other room there's art by our students and i think a lot of people are affected by it, not just me, that it's really, really strong, really good artwork. And by giving the sort of philosophy behind Art Division is to treat it, the students as if they're going to the best graduate school possible. But it, the difference is that it's free, <clears throat> it's free 
And we don't serve students who got really good grades in high school. Most of our students did not do well in high school, but are really, really strong visual artists and think visually. And the, 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 and I believe it's working. Two of our students have gallery representation at Craig Crow Gallery. One of our students has an exhibit that I'm going to see tomorrow at the Bakersfield Museum of Art. Also, a book of that same student named Javier Carrillo was published by the Israeli press. So uh, the work that's being d- done is very elegant and very intelligent and very uh, is now starting to be received um, you know, by the public more and more. I remember when you, you showed me you actually showed me around. You probably don't remember. I'm sure you I get, do remember now. I, you remember. probably get hundreds and hundreds of visitors. But you showed me, uh, in addition to the visual art yeah. studio uh, practice, that you, at that time when I visited, you were fixing up the kitchen in the back, and you say we're gonna we're gonna have classes back here. How is that going? It's going great. I teach them, and uh, oh. yesterday we teach a simple cooking class on Monday. I love to cook, and before I made a living as an artist, I made a living as a chef. That's what I did, <laughs> and it's something that I, you know, I love doing. And it's also, it's a life skill that um, there's no better way to make people happy than to feed them. So we're teaching our students how to feed people. <laughs> and what did we make? I'm trying to think what we made yesterday. We made. Uh, I showed them how to roast vegetables. Ah. Basically, we had roasted vegetables, but they're learning basic. Uh, cooking skills and yes we have a very very good kitchen oh, in, in our so it's, it's, it's cooking <laughs> now <laughs> yes it is oh that's amazing yeah. is it the same students who are painting and creating art also taking the culinary classes yes and then some we have two students who only come for the cooking class oh. uh, but for the most part it's who's it's a lot of it is also who's ever there I just grab them and have them come help me make food because we make food Every Monday night we have dinner for anyone who's there to eat, and then we have you know food that lasts throughout the week. So who's ever in there doing their homework, I have them come in and help me cook. Hmm. I, we probably should talk about the geography of Art Division. Hmm. We're talking about downtown-ish Los Angeles. It's really uh, 6th and 7th. Park Plaza. It's a MacArthur Park MacArthur area of Park. LA, which is uh, historically an art, real strong art center of LA. Right. You know, it used to have H.G. Daniels Bookstore, Chenard, um, Otis. Otis, Otis Parsons, and um, and you know, it's it's still architecturally incredibly poetic and beautiful part of town. And the McManus and Morgan is kind of the last of that generation of. Yeah, it's a, well, area. it's a paper store that I think most artists who've lived in L.A. for 20 or 30 years know that store, McManus and Morgan. I was truly, they're just, uh, Art Division's going to be making a book with the paint, uh, two artists from Mexico, James Brown and Graciela Iturbide. Um, and we're went there today to buy paper to make that book. <laughs> Whoa, where are you printing that? Uh, well, it's not printing it. It's going to be the students are all going to make handmade books. Oh. And so they're going to sew, you know, the books and learn to stitch and make books. Wow. In a few weeks, that's happening. Amazing. Yeah. Art Division has been around for how many years now? 
It started in 2009 or 10. I honestly don't remember. I think it was, let's say 2010. And we got our nonprofit status. It's um, in 2011, January 2011. Okay. And I I guess, have there been about two or three generations of students (laughs) now? or It's hard to say. It's sort of like uh, there's some that are just sort of finishing up. And then we have a lot coming in, but no one gets kicked out. They just sort of reach a certain age where they move on. Either, um, you know, one of two of our students just were accepted into UCLA, into UCLA's um, art program. So they'll be more or less gone, but they're always welcome to return. And then we're getting a lot of young, younger. We're doing a heavy recruiting right now to make sure we keep younger students coming in as well. So um, I've never. It's, it's funny. It's a funny question and a good question that we're looking at right now, that there is a group who are leaving and there's a new group who are coming in, you know, 18, 19 year olds who are coming in at the same time. Are they all pretty much from that neighborhood? Uh, no, most no. are. And then we have a few from the valley. Uh, we have a young student who's um, named Wicho, who just graduated from UCSB and he lives way out in the valley somewhere and um, another one in North Hollywood and then a lot in, from East LA from Boyle Heights so but but primarily from the neighborhood from the MacArthur Park neighborhood but no and also uh, South Central a lot come up from South Central as well oh. it's primarily Latino kids but not exclusively you know mm. and it, the um, the main criteria to be there is that you like making art. That's about it. There's no, um, no one, you know, it's, it's not hard to, to get in. You just show up basically and make art. And, and it's also, the idea is to, um, always be open. It's a very, what's it called? A living organism almost. So we're always open to different things. Like, you know, the, the, the book that's being made that just appeared, like we're always open to new ideas and new projects that are of interest to the students. How did that idea come about? <laughs> that came about through, um, the artist James Brown I've known since I was five years old and we grew up together and he's doing an exhibit right now at UC. USC Fisher Museum, and he, I'm not sure how Graciela got involved, but they just asked if we wanted to do it, and we were like, absolutely, we want to do it. And the school, it operates almost miraculously, like miraculously things appear like that. (laughs) Things just sort of have a way of showing up, like, uh, you know, a lot of uh, amazing artists have come through and given workshops, and a lot more, we have a photographer named Jack Pearson who's coming to do a workshop soon. Jack Black is going to help our students make a film. Um, <laughs> so it's just a lot of energy comes in there and goes out of there. You know, and we just try to be receptive to, to um, you know, to all those things. Like think outside of the box, be open to whatever shows up, and to say yes to pretty much everything, which is can be daunting at times. It's very difficult for me to say no to anything. You know, so. That's how things happen. I Currently, think. how many how many uh, students. participants? Students. Um, I think about forty. I think we have about wow. forty. Okay. About forty. Um, when you gave me the tour, you were also <laughs> telling me that you were starting a relationship with USC. Mm-hmm. How did that go? It went amazing. We did an exhibit there, artist in residency, and then an exhibit in the museum that was beautiful. It was really well received. 
And at that time, we partnered with an organization from Mexico who was doing an exhibit called La Bestia. And it was a great confluence. And that's, again, where things just happen. It was a friend of mine who's an artist from Oaxaca named Demian Flores put together an exhibit about La Bestia, about the train that brings immigrants up from Guatemala. It's this treacherous train route. And um, now we're going to that he runs an organization in Oaxaca called Curtideria with his uh, partner, Yuvia Sopavida. And we're, do, we're partnering with them to do a second exhibit at U, USC of <clears throat> prints by our students and also by Curtideria. And they're, 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 they're like a parallel organization to ours in Oaxaca, where we're starting now. To, we're also starting to send our students to Oaxaca to do residencies in Oaxaca. Wow, that's... That's awesome. Yeah, it's happening. Wow. One is there already working. He got that's he got it not through us at all. He got it through UC Riverside, but in January, our student Luis Mateo should be going down there to make etchings. Wow! So um, it's amazing. I think also um, <clears throat> Los Angeles is such an amazing city. It's, it's very different than other places. I've spent time. You can do anything you want here. Almost it's and it's almost like. You say, oh, I want to send students to Oaxaca. You just can do it. It's not, there's, it's really not impossible. <laughs> I mean, sometimes there's, you have to get a passport, but you can, right. it's really a possibility to do so many things here. That, and then also, I think there's a culture here of people get behind you when you come up with ma- imaginative ideas. You know, mm-hmm. Like we get a lot of support, you know, from the community, you know, the larger community. That's, a, that's great. <laughs> so. Um, and. Again, in that article that I read. Um, <laughs> I wonder where that was. Maybe it was in the Times that I didn't I don't, see it. I don't know. Um, what, wasn't there, is there a relationship with a local high school? or the, Your reaction was uh, specific to a, a local school high school? No. Or school or? The only thing that I could think would be is our students go into a local um, Grammar school. It's a school, the Grat School, where they teach kindergarten and first grade. They te- our students teach art to kindergarten and first graders. Oh, but okay. That's the only relationship we have with the public school. Oh no, no. I mean, were were they? You know, that whole thing of when they graduate, they didn't have any. Work. Oh no, I think I used to run an art program at a, an organ, a wonderful organization called Ola, which worked with students six to eighteen. And one of the reasons I started Art Division was I was more interested in the students who were getting older and what was happening to them. So Art Division became an extension of that. It's a way to continue giving service to those young adults who had, you know, who were finished at 18 working with other organizations. Now, Ola, was, is that primarily MacArthur Park? That it's in MacArthur Park. Park. It's right around the corner from Art Division. Oh, yeah. so... Theoretically, you hit a certain age, you, you're not eligible for those classes anymore. Is that what happened? More or less, more or less. I mean, I think, yeah, that I think, um, you know, it's, it's, how can I put it? It's like, um, I think culturally, it's sort of a similar thing would be once you're 18, you can't be in foster care anymore. That, right. that I think we have this notion in our culture that at 18, you're ready to go out there and be part of the adult world. And it's such a misnomer in any I mean I think it's safe to say most of us were not ready till we were 27 or 28 to actually be adults you know before and even that you're not really an adult then either but to be you I think there's a lot more nurturing that's required in our culture until 
you're, I would say, 27. Then you can kind of be on your own at that point. But um, I think that um, that's, that's it. I mean, and I think that a lot of young adults who don't have access to, to college are just left floundering and end up in not particularly good jobs, so, uh, if that makes sense. I guess art in practice is kind of addressing that as yeah, well. Yeah, they're right? a wonderful organization. In Limerick Park. Yeah, um, wonderful. Cr- creating opportunities for kids who are, who they say, aged out yeah. of the foster system. Exactly. So it's a, a similar mission, I think. It seems like um, uh, nationally there is this no man's land, if you will, between 18 and 24. Mm-hmm. Uh, I... I've been noticing that there are a lot of programs trying to get funding now for, for that, that age group. For that age group. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think it's people are realizing it's such a vital uh, time in your our lives, and it's such a difficult time to navigate. And it's also such a, a want, the personalities of that age group are so wonderful because. I think in high school, kids tend to be a little on the sociopathic wavelength. You know, they're not, they haven't quite developed empathy. And by 18, they have. And they're, they're just, right. I think, very, it's a very interesting, uh, lovely age, you know, that ne- still needs a lot of support and guidance. And, and, you know, again, I speak from experience. I was so not ready to go out into the world at, at 18 or 19. or I was very confused and lost myself at that age. And Dan, how do, how do you nurture empathy? How do you nurture empathy? I think it's something that just, if, you, if you're empathetic towards people, they'll respond in kind. And I think I had, I had the good fortune to have a very good empathetic teachers and actually parents. And I think you learn that, um, how do you explain it? Uh, I don't think you nurture it. I think you just, maybe by example, how's that? You do by example, and by being empathetic towards other people. And I think I really notice in our students that they're, they really, I learn from them about the way they embrace younger students who come in. And there's no, um, also, I think one aspect of art division, and of course it's there in every human being, but we really downplay competition. Like we're, I, I've mm-hmm. worked in many schools where competition is just like elevated to the heights, and I, I can't stand it. I really can't stand the idea of comp- Like I was never very good at sports. I never really got the point of being the winner. You know? So I think if anything, we encourage the students to compete only with themselves and to collaborate a lot with each other. But... I would say I learn, um, we have a large a recent new development, a lot of transgender students coming in and learning how to navigate that world and to have real true empathy and real, create a real crew, uh, open space for all people to be treated with not just empathy, but with respect. And when you do, it, it, you, you get it back in kind, I think. Right. Um, it's almost self-serving. It's not almost. It is self-serving <laughs> because who wants to be around a bunch of jerks? You know, I mean, you want to be around. Uh, it, it, the nicer you are, the nicer people are going to be to you. You know what I mean? That's a it's a good strategy for life, I think, to be empathetic. I'd be remiss if we didn't talk a little bit about your work. All right. Ask and me. I always wonder, you know, because uh, I don't, I, 
I know you're very, very busy. Yes. Like you also seem to be pretty prolific as an artist. How well, are you able to balance those? I things? think also I'm the poster boy for ADD. I'm, I have such intense ADD. I, 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 you know, it's manifests itself like hourly. Like I, and I think I operate best in a chaotic environment. You know, I grew up in a very chaotic loving household. I had six brothers and sisters in a very small house. So I've learned the, in a way I operate best in, in um, with the, when there's a lot of activity and noise, it's mm -hmm. better for me. And I think also, you know, I'm not the best at managing my time, but I, I try to, uh, Monday and Tuesday, it's all things art division. And then the rest of the week, I, re, I try to have, I'm in my studio working. And I also think it's the um, I can't really say, I guess in a way you'd say I serve as a role model to the students. They like seeing me working and me doing well. And uh, my studio is this right there. It's like, a, you know, 10 feet away from the school. You saw it. And mm -hmm. so I think it's, I'll go back, float back and forth through it. And I think um, I like, and it's funny because in a way, it, I remember when I was cooking, the busier it got, the better I got, you know, the, the better you got more in the rhythm of it. So mm -hmm. I think I usually try to have shows scheduled that are coming up in deadlines. And I really believe, I mean, one of the structures of my own life and also of the school is we really work on deadlines and we're very goal oriented. We're not process oriented. I'm not. I never understand that thing of like, well, it's all about the process. It's for me, myself and for the students, it's all about the goal, like a, making something that's finished, not right. the pro the process is an interesting thing, but the, the finished product is what is of interest. And I don't know. I mean, I think, I, I think, how do I explain it? Um, I don't know. I think everyone I'm around these days is pretty busy. I mean, we're busy. And then also I try, it's, I never work on Sunday. You know, Sunday I do not work Sunday. Ah. I, I do not work. <laughs> I definitely do not work on Sunday. So, and um, I have a nice garden right near Art Division, my house. So I try to spend Sundays. Um, what's the word? Coming down and just relaxing. You know, sanctuary. Yes, exactly. Yes. I'm also a Buddhist. I do a Buddhist practice. So that ah. that fuels me. I think every day. <laughs> you know, I chant every morning and every night. So, nice. Yeah, that keeps me centered. Absolutely. <laughs> um, are you originally from Los Angeles? I'm originally from right here. I, you know, I grew up Santa Monica. Yeah, I was Whoa. born in Ocean Park, and then I lived in Westchester. And then my family was in both places, so I was back and forth between Westchester and Santa Monica all my life. Westchester. Okay. Yeah, but it's funny looking at the pier, like being here, yeah. looking at the pier. It's like just filled with um, my whole life has been here, like right in Memories. this place. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> How did you come to practice Buddhism? In 1983, I was, uh, at the time, I was very um, concerned about nuclear proliferation. Mm -hmm. And I heard about this organization, uh, Nishiren Shoshu, and I went to a meeting. And I had gone to many different, you know, uh, at, you know, I, you know, with Muktananda, who was down here. I spent some time doing like a 
uh, were, you know, doing that practice. But the Buddhist, the Nishiran Shoshu Buddhism, just the minute I started doing it, my life started changing. I'm like, this is fantastic. So I just stayed with it. And I'm also, I was raised a devout Catholic. I was raised Catholic and I was a very devout Catholic. And, you know, it's a cliche, but it's true. It's like once you're Catholic, you're always Catholic. So I just, I think in my DNA, it's required of my DNA and my being to pray every day. And I think the Buddhism is, in a way, you could say, um, replace the, the Catholic belief system. But um, I still go to church every Monday, actually. <laughs> but but I, I'm a Buddhist. I mean, I do a Buddhist practice. I don't know if I am a Buddhist. I think, I don't really think I am a Buddhist. I'm just someone who chants every morning and every night. I chanted out there before coming in here. Nice. So, <laughs> so anyway. So um, 1983... Isn't that the 50th anniversary of the atomic bomb? I don't know. Oh. I don't well, know. And, I don't know. And back then, of course, there was a ginormous anti-nuclear movement. movement. Maybe that's right, and I, yeah. I didn't know that, because I remember reading about it a lot, and then... Uh, yeah, I didn't... You, the first, you just said that, and I've never given that... I've oh. never thought that, so... I never thought that, but... Oh. Um, how are we doing? 24, 25 Five more minutes. minutes? Nah. Yeah. About five more minutes. Is there something we should cover? We, Let me can, can we talk a little bit more about your painting? You could talk about my painting all okay. you want. <laughs> so um, there's, a, there's a, what I've seen online and what I've seen in the studio, and then you, get, you actually gave me a catalog. I don't know if you remember this. What I, <laughs> what I really love is this sort of, uh, the portraitures that you've done. Mm -hmm. And um, let's see, how can I say this? It feels like you're not painting people. What it's, am I painting? I don't know. You're painting moods. <laughs> like, you know, like yeah. when I look at the person, uh, the first thing that, like, okay, so if I go to a museum, you know, sometimes the eyes hit me first right. or the composition. But for you, when I look at the painting, it's a mood. Uh -huh. Like what mood is that person in or what mood you were in or what kind of what's being, you know, what what is being provocative mm -hmm. in terms of uh, as a painting? What mood does it put me in? And I don't know how you do that, but uh, I don't I think I just uh, how do I explain it? I think painting is like dreaming for me and that it's just my thoughts coming manifested into paintings if you if that makes sense yeah, i think sure. i'll just have an idea like oh i want to right now i'm doing paintings of people working at target the target store and um why am i doing it i guess because i go to the gym in a mall below a target and i seem to go up to target a lot and i just look at it and look at the way the people who work there look and their red shirts so then i think oh it'd be so interesting to do a painting with the red in the middle of it. Because the, the paintings to me, they're just, um, th like I said, they're just my thoughts. They're like, and I think human beings are just infinitely, infinitely interesting to me. They, I know, and again, it gets back to empathy. I think that, you know, there's such an empathetic thing that happens between human beings, even if it's someone who's working at a Target and you're asking them, where do I buy socks? It's like you're, you have a relationship with that person. And, you know, some sort of interaction with them that lasts a second or two. And that's usually not what all the work's about, but that's what a lot of it's about. Like um, the 
And I think there's something so fleeting about most human interaction that it's sort of sad because you you have a connection and then it's over and it mm -hmm. most likely will never be repeated. You know what I mean? So I'm interested in taking those interactions and spending like months dealing with them. It's also, I think I've done a lot of paintings recently of doctors because my relationship with a doctor, which is so strong, is so short, usually because a doctor has so many other people and other things to work on. Mm. They don't, they don't, and you so want them to give you their attention and they just don't, you know, for me. So I want to stretch that experience out. Oh, interesting. You know, something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so. And I think more it's just the, um, I, you know, I've lived in L.A. my whole life, pretty much, so I can't really compare it. But I think L.A., has, that's a lot of how life works in L.A. You have these fleeting sort of interactions, and then they're, they're gone, you know. Yeah. So, is that well, my... That sounds good. <laughs> I we just made it up. <laughs> Am I done? I think so. Uh, thank you so much. Is there anything you'd like to say before oh, we end? Uh, please come see the show uh, the, at the Annenberg. The students also have an exhibit up at um, Huntington Gardens in response to the, uh, I can never remember, the, I think it's called Visions and Voyages. And our students have a show called Nuestro Mundo in response to that at Huntington Gardens. Oh, okay. It's a really great How show. How long will that be up? Uh, I wish I could give you the exact oh, date. Okay. I think through January. But Art Division has a website. Art Division has a website. We also have a Facebook page. Okay. Um, yeah, please. And come visit. Come visit the, the school and come visit the library. Absolutely. Thank right. you, Dan. You're welcome. Thank you very much. Appreciate right. it. I appreciate it, too. That concludes another episode of Visitings. Thank you to Dan McCleary for being on the show. Once again, thanks to Naomi Okuyama's cultural affairs supervisor who facilitated our event, Visitings, a virtual studio visit and marathon conversation, which was presented as part of Beach Culture at the Annenberg Community Beach House, a program of the city of Santa Monica. Thanks as always to the Echo Park Film Center, Machine Projects, and Dub Lab for letting me share this. I'm Alan Akagawa, sitting in my living room in Koreatown, saying thank you for listening to Visitings. Thank you.